here. And we are really blessed to have Pastor Peter coming to bring the Word to us this morning. And one thing I didn't mention, some really exciting news, is that Pastor Matt and Gemma had a little baby girl, Audrey Joy, just this last week. Another grandchild for Pete and Marie. Let's put our hands together as Pete comes to share the Word with us. God bless. <laughs> oh, thanks, Nate. Yeah, good work. Let them keep coming, Jesus. That's my prayer at the moment. Yeah, a few more. Got another one coming in October. It's beautiful, grandchildren. Wow, cool and beautiful. Well, a couple of um, months ago, I think we did a prayer tour, and one of the places that I visited was Suncorp Stadium. And I was trying to take a photograph of the places that I'd been to, and so I... Uh, was in the front of Suncorp Stadium there and I was praying, my prayer was, Lord, you know, just let one day this stadium be filled with those who want to pray and ask for God's blessing to be afloat in our city and our state and our nation. Am I hearing much of an amen out there? Come on, church, come on now. That's what we're praying for. Well, I was praying that prayer. And then as I was praying it, that was the photo I think that I um, took of it. And uh, you would see that I suddenly realised that Wally Lewis bronze statue was there it sort of looked like I was asking him like I'm idol worshipping or something or other and so I very very carefully repositioned myself um, in this next photo I took a long time to do that so that I looked like I was praying to God and not to Wally now I I didn't want that to be an insult to Wally because I actually appreciate Wally he was um, a terrific um, footballer um, anyone can remember him at all? Uh, he does the news, I know, but he was a footballer for anyone who's young, uh, didn't realise that. And he was a terrific footballer. Wasn't the biggest guy, wasn't the fastest guy, but he could read the play. And he always just seemed to be in the right place at the right time, covering a tick, kick that had got through here, get it, doing some cover tackle off, you know, take the guy out, he was going to score a try. And he was really good at exploiting the weaknesses of New South Wales. Now, if you're watching from New South Wales online this morning, God bless you, we love you. Um, but boy, it was a beautiful series that we had back then when Wally was um, leading us. It was terrific. If you're in any sort of contest, of course, it's enormous help to understand your opponents. That's what I'm driving at here. Uh, Understand how they're likely to attack and and how to resist that and then how to exploit or to go forward um, to overcome the defences that they might put up. That's why we're engaging in this um, invisible war series because we as a church, we want to heighten our awareness of the devil's schemes so that we know how to resist his attack and, and, and we know how to equip ourselves so that we can take ground um, in Jesus' kingdom. The Christian life is not some gentle stroll along the bike tracks in the afternoon. It's not that. It's climbing rugged mountains, um, difficult places, enemies on every hand. Um, that's the view. Or as our senior pastor shared a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was a terrific one, we are not a cruise line at church. You, you know that, don't you? We are a battleship and we're in sub-infested waters. That's the picture that we've got to get this morning. If I'm sounding true dramatic for you, well, let me read just two sections of God's precious Word. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. This is what the fight's about. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 2. And when I forgive, this is Paul writing, whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart you. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. So let me ask you this morning, how knowledgeable are you about the devil's schemes and strategies? I was at a funeral recently after, um, and after the service, um, this lovely old lady came up to me and um, and she said, she started with this line, she said, "Um, you know, I believe there's a heaven. That's what she said to me. I said, oh, that sounds good. And then she added this, But of course, I don't believe that there's any hell. That's what she said next. Now, that's a familiar response in our world, isn't it? We we warm. Our society warms the idea there's a heaven. But the hell idea, not so good, is it? A very similar position is often taken in relation to the possibility of there being a God. Some higher power somewhere. 
But the idea that there could be a evil supernatural being called the devil or, or Satan, well, that's the stuff of medieval folklore. But those, of course, who hold to those positions probably don't realise that they're actually calling Jesus, you know, the greatest man who's ever lived, a liar or deluded because this is what Jesus said, Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's what Jesus said. This one, another one. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, Jesus. And the constant conflict that Jesus had with Satan's and demons in the gospel narratives, it builds this, this overwhelming picture of there being a real and personal devil one that can't be evaporated with some sort of metaphor to explain the, you know, to explain the problems and the injustices of our world as some try to do. And of course, you also have to grapple not only with what the Bible reveals, that's the most important of course, but you have to grapple with the personal encounters that some people have with these realities. Just last Sunday night, Pastor Billy shared his experience of hearing hopeless cries of those in hell. This is when he was on the journey to faith. He had this vision, this, this thing that was so real to him and he was relating it again last Sunday night and it was as real as it was 20 years ago when it took place. Now is Pastor Billy a liar? Mm. What about this one? I was talking to Pastor David just during this week up at the White House and a few of the guys were around and he was sharing the story of the, of the night before he was called, appointed as a pastor in this particular church. And he said he was in bed, laid out, and then he said this, this presence, this dark presence came and pinned him to the bed and and it spat in his ear these words. Spat was the word David used. Back down from the call. Now is Pastor David a liar? Is he? Well, he might have told a few fibs. I don't know, but I'm telling you, you ask him. It was real for him. It was real for him. The devil and his angels are real. The Demonic angels real and active on planet earth. And no one escapes contending with these forces, whether you have some overt encounter with them or not. So where did the devil come from and, and, and the demonic forces that are aligned with him? Well, the Bible doesn't explicitly state how Satan came into being, but passages such as Revelation, 2, uh, uh, Revelation um, 12, 7 to 9, Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19, Isaiah 14, and Jesus' words in Luke 10, 18 about Satan falling from heaven, they all point in the same direction that Satan was originally created by God as an angel, beautiful, blameless, splendid in wisdom and full of light, maybe the greatest of God's angelic beings. But at some point in his pride about who he was, his power, his, important, he his importance, he instigated a rebellion against the angelic beings. Among the angelic beings, I should say, and, and he attempted to take over God's throne. Rather than him, the created being, worshipping and serving the creator, he wanted to be God and he wanted God to worship him. We get a glimpse of that, of course, in the very temptations that Jesus experienced in the wilderness. There, remember the temptation that came? If you will bow down, and worship me. Now this is God the Son. If you will bow down, he says to Jesus, and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. This is the one that we're in opposition to, or he's in opposition to us. 
This attempted heavenly rebellion that he engaged in ended with him being cast out of heaven, the Satan's downfall, and the angel of light was transformed into the angel of darkness, the great cosmic opposer to the will and the purposes of God. And when God created humanity, it was Satan. You can read that in 1 Timothy 2.13. It was Satan, the serpent, who incited Adam and Eve to sin and join in the rebellion that he had originally pioneered. And it led to the fracturing of humanity's relationship with God and the commencement of Satan's domination and abuse of humanity. There's not a person here this morning or anyone watching this service online who has not been afflicted by the devil and his demons, whether you are aware of this oppression or whether you aren't. Now, the list of terrible activities that Satan engages in is a long one, but this morning I just wanted to focus on on three names that reveal the character of Satan and the principalities and powers that are aligned with him and how they drive their activities towards us as human beings. In Revelation 9, we read about the terrible afflictions humanity faces in the last days, one of which is a scorpion-like sting delivered by some locust-like demon creatures. And this is what we read in um, Revelation 9, 11. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. That is destroyer. That's the name, destroyer. Now, whether this was Satan himself or some high-ranking minion, the, the name describes so well the intent and the purpose of Satan's being. He lives to ruin and destroy all things. That's his heart. That's his purpose. That's his drive. And, and all the things that are part of bringing destruction and ruin to our world, hatred and violence, oppression, ruin, murder, There is no, hear this this morning, there is no mercy, there is no kindness, there is no goodness in any part of Satan's being. He is against everything. And he wants to lead our world back into chaos and destruction. He delights in all the the ruinous things of our world. He delights in mismanagement. He loves corruption. He loves greed, racism, disasters, wars, famines. Satan is right in the middle of the things that are happening at Lebanon in this moment of time. That's where Satan is, stirring all the terrible events that are operating in that country at the moment. The destruction that COVID-19 is currently reaping throughout the world, impacting lives. Some actually in this church who have grieved grieved the loss of some people. It's sourced in in the crushing powers of darkness. It's interesting to read what Jesus said in um, John 8, 44. When he was addressing the religious leaders who were so stridently um, opposing him. Now remember, our, our war is not with flesh, flesh and blood. It's with the principalities and the powers. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth because there is no truth in him. This is the core of who Satan is. He is a murderer and he delights in harming, oppressing and destroying humanity. That's his intention towards you. You find this sort of violence um, in so many of the demonic stories as you read them in the Gospels, don't you? You know, people are harming themselves, cutting themselves. The kid gets thrown into the fire, damage being done, violence. You see it in the violence that's being expressed in, in the persecution of the church. We see it in Acts. It's recorded too in Revelation. In fact, in Revelation 2.10, it actually names the devil as being the one who was putting Christians in prison. It actually says, Satan's done that. It's Satan revealing his hatred of people in general. He hates all people. And he especially hates those who belong to Christ. 
And his longing is to see everyone ruined and destroyed. You're getting the picture of who he is, the destroyer. I still remember a very overt encounter I had with this satanic intent, this destructive one, as a young man in my first year of teaching up in Mackay. I was flattened with another guy. He attended another church and we had a friendly relationship. But I remember the occasion that I came in one night and as I walked in the front door, my friend was there. But, but, but at the same time, the hairs just went up on the back of my, back of my neck. I'd never had that happen to me ever before in my life. But phew, something was wrong and weird. I could just tell it. And, and as I'm looking at this guy, he sort of... I don't know, I couldn't, it was like his eyes weren't, weren't right or something or other. It was just something weird about his eyes. And then he said to me, he said to me, oh, um, um, you need to go outside for a while. And I could tell you, I was pretty happy to go outside, to be honest, when he told me to pop out there. So that's where I went. And a little bit later, he, he came back and he says, oh, oh, you can come in there. And he was back to his... You know, normal, normal, usual self. We've been flattened together for a couple of months or wherever it was. And then he shared with me, he said that when I'd come in, there was something telling him to come over and smash me in the head. That's what he told me. Nothing like that ever happened again. We flattened together for the rest of the year. All fine, all good, no problems. But no one's going to convince me. Once you've had a brush with the darkness, no one will convince me that there wasn't an evil presence there influencing my friend to do violence. Violence. Others have experienced um, supernatural encounters with dark forces. But, but everyone will have stories to tell of confrontation with destructive powers. You cop foul abuse from people, be that in the workplace or being in homes, you know, or, or critical words that are about destroying the soul, um, the dark thoughts that, that lay siege to us in the middle of the night. Well, you, you're encountering it. You're experiencing it. How many times in baptismal stories told in this church have people spoken about this sense of hopelessness that overwhelmed them in the lostness of who they were and... and and they contemplated, we've had quite a number of people said this, contemplating ending their lives. Now, where did those thoughts come from? You know, destruction, ruin of the life. That's from the darkness. That's from Satan. It doesn't come from God. He's the life giver. Satan, the destroyer, he also seeks to use his destructive power to create intimidation and fear. Fear that will get people to back down from searching and seeking after God. I, I think Fiona mentioned something along that line. You think, oh, that's just a little bit of fear. That's where Satan dwells, you see. Debilitating fear, it, it's always a sign of the destroyer at work. And there are many people in this church, many actually, who like Job have endured terrible assaults from the dark forces because of their faithfulness, their loyalty, their commitment to name and honour Christ all the days of their life. The reason I wanted to focus this morning on the devil's destructive nature and the evil intent that he has towards every person because we re need to realise the foolishness, the absolute, the craziness maybe, if I can say it even more strongly, of ever wanting to align with Satan, to do his bidding in some way or other to be manipulated or intimidated by, by such an evil being whose only desire is your ruin and the ruin of those around you and the ruin of our world. In fact, when we learn to discern the fear-filling thoughts, just hear this for a moment, and we become aware of the destructive actions of the destroyer, it, it actually begins to alert us that God's doing something in our life. Did you ever think that way when these things happen to you? If you're not going anywhere with, with God and you're not pressing on with God or searching for God, then Satan doesn't care about you. Doesn't need to do any too much work for you. You're, you're, you're in the lost state. It's when you start pressing on with God and searching for God that these things begin to manifest themselves in, in greater ways. 
And so, you know, the flip side, you can flip it around, you know, the one who's after us, the destroyer. If you get some of these things happening, it's a sign if you're in Jesus, that you're pressing on with him. Take it as a compliment if we can see it that way. That you're on with the things that are important and Satan's disturbed by that and wants to bring about the truncating, the limiting, get you in the, in the foxhole and get you down there to stay. No. That's not where we're to stay. This is the battle God's called us to engage in. He is the destroyer. He's the ruiner. He comes against us. But if Satan is as dangerous and as violent and abusive as I've been describing him to be, you would think that people would be wanting to flock to God's side. Do you even think like that? Why would you want to stay with a person who's going to, a being that's out to destroy you? One of the primary reasons that people remain where they are under Satan's domination and oppression, it's found in John 8, 44. We read a bit of it before, but I want to read a little bit more. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When, get this, when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, the father of lies. Satan is a master of misrepresentation and he uses lies to entice people into actions that are against the one who made us and loves us, our great God. The tempter said this to Eve, Genesis 3. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You can hear it, can't you? So clear. He says this. You will not surely die. Lie. Your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Full of lies, full of fraud, full of untruth. Deceit and fraud, there they are, the stock and trade for Satan. Native language. And it's this that helps, keeps people under his domination and under his oppression. One of his favourite lies, of course, at least in Western societies, not so much in other, other, other cultures, but in, our, in the West, is that he doesn't actually exist. Fable, myth, medieval stuff. He'd be stupid enough to believe that there is an evil being out to ensure your bondage and destruction. There are, of course, moments in people's lives which cause them to wonder if there isn't something more, you know, something more disturbing or, or, or they see a story about, you know, the sheer depravity of, of humanity in certain situations or maybe their own sin and burdens them so that they wonder if something is wrong, wrong with the world, wrong with them, that sort of questioning that goes on. I read a review um, just yesterday of Russell Crowe's latest film, Unhinged. It's the story of some, you know, frightening road rage, retribution, um, full of violence. I am not recommending this movie. I just want you to make that really clear. I am not going to see it and neither should you. I'll just get that out clear, all right? No commendation of this movie. But this is how the reviewer ended the piece that he wrote in the paper. Listen to this. The opening credits to this particular movie also include news footage of random acts of public violence, not dissimilar to what we have seen of late, people fighting over toilet paper and so on. This is in the movie, these clips. We were born angry, says some expert interviewed on the, on the news. So that's in these, you know, this, this credits roll again. Somebody says, we're born angry. And then he wrote this. I wonder if he's right. Have we always been angry? And the only difference now is that camera phones and social media make our anger more visible. The questions about the causes and consequences of an angry society is one that lingers in the mind in the wake of this movie. Wow, there's a man disturbed by the things that are happening in our world. The Bible, of course, reveals exactly what the cause is of an angry society, doesn't it? It's the outworking of men and women who are born in sin and who choose to live in rebellion to God. 
It reveals itself in a whole myriad of ways. Yeah, there's anger, there's hatred, there's road rages, there's revenge and so much more. All of which is incited and fanned by Satan, the destroyer. Do you ever wonder why people don't look at the Bible when these questions arise? Do you ever think that? It's the biggest seller. It's a terrific book. It's the best book. Why don't they go there to find the answers that they're asking for? Well, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 gives us the answer. Listen to this. The God of this age, another name for Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And so the deceiver fans, scepticism, intellectual arrogance, only, you know, only the simple and ignorant would look to a myth-filled Bible, no reality in the supernatural world. That's a lie. That's, that's a lie, you know, that's a lie. But he has lies, you know, to sell to everybody. You know, everyone's a bit different. Different lies for different people. Horses for courses. For those who are religious, he loves to affirm the lie that your good works will get you to the place called heaven. Maybe what's that dear lady I mentioned earlier? Maybe that's where she was at. For the broad-minded. Well, all religious paths, they, they end up in the same place. You just pick something or other out of all of that and you'll be fine. For those injured and abused in a sinful world, well, God, you know, this, this is how it come. God doesn't care about you. God's indifferent to your situation. Why doesn't he do anything? Doesn't. What sort of God's that? Don't have anything to do with that sort of God. For those who enjoy life, God's gonna spoil your fun. Who'd want to go to church? Most boring place you could ever go to. That's what, that's what, that's what he says. He does. I've talked to people who don't want to come for that very reason because it might crimp the lifestyle a bit. The lies go on and on as he seeks to fuel the fires of rebellion against life. God, for the purpose of what? Leading people into destruction. Keeping people blind to the truth that God has made through Jesus a way for them to be forgiven and, and, and live free from the domination and the selfishness that riddles the human heart. A, a new life, a new way to live. And the lies don't stop being told to us when we do put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ either. If the tempter tried to snare Jesus, he won't miss out trying to divert us from the path that God's opened up for us. I tell you, it, it, everyone cops it. And if you're a Christian, you'll be copping it. And it goes on, continues to go on, selling the lies. Good lies, of course, they always sound close to the truth, which is why we need to both humbly cry out to God to keep revealing His truth. It's why we need to keep preaching for the Word of God. It's the anchor, as we sang about this morning. It's, it's, the, it's the plumb line that keeps us in the right place. Keeps revealing what's wrong, what's, what's lies, what's falsehood. Listen to the warning that Paul gave to the Corinthians. And there are many of these sort of warnings in the Bible. Listen, um, 2 Corinthians 11, 12, 15. But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So, if, so it is no wonder that these servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment that their wicked deeds deserve. That's the truth of God's word. That's, that's got to be our anchor, folks. Have you got where we've gone? come so far? Satan only wants destruction and ruin for every person and he disguises this hatred and murderous heart by seeking to deceive people about the only one who can liberate and lead us to life, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth and the life. That's how he's doing it. 
But there's one more name, one more activity of Satan that I just want to highlight briefly this morning. The name Satan actually means accuser or slanderer. Um, it's a Hebrew word and, and in the Greek it's rendered diabolus. And you can know where diabolus um, is heading. It's where we get the word devil. When Satan is tempting you to sin, seducing you with lies, you will always hear words like this. This is when you're on this, this side, you know, the tempting side. You actually deserve this. You deserve this. Um, this person doesn't love you anymore. It's all okay. Um, it's, only, it's only a small thing. You know, you get all these, these things being whispered in your ear. But, but as soon as you participate in sin, have you noticed how dramatically the, the satanic voice changes? You know, the, the wooing, the enticing suddenly becomes this voice that, that says words like this, you're guilty, you're pathetic. What sort of Christian are you? God, God wouldn't want anything to do with you. You can't open your Bible. You, you can't go to church. You can't pray. God's disgusted with you. That's how it goes, folks. That's how it goes. But the accusing activities don't only come in our direction, they actually go also up to, up to God's direction as well. Revelation 12.10. For the accuser, Satan, of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before, before our God day and night. As we've already seen, the desire of Satan is to bring ruin and destruction to humanity. And so he delights in pointing out the sins of human beings to God and then demanding that God better do a good job in dishing out his justice. That's how he operates. He is the greatest dobber that has ever been. And he acts with the same motivation of all dobbers, hoping to do as much damage as possible to the person that's been dobbed on. When you understand that accusation is fundamental to Satan's character, then you'll be able to discern why such a significant part of the invisible war is fought in our minds over our standing with God. You'll understand that, see. Satan uses accusation as a mighty weapon in his attempts to keep people from Christ. This is before you even get into the kingdom of God, to keep people. He has arguments like, if that's the way you've lived, you could never go to church, crash down on you. That's true. That's what people think. Occasionally over the years, I've written to Philip Adams, one of Australia's better known atheists. He's the author of um, Viewpoint in the Weekend Australian newspaper. Not maybe that many of you read that, but anyway, that's who he is, yeah. Um, recently, um, I wrote to him, as I do from time to time, and um, it was in response to an article that he had um, written um, expressing his view that, that his life along with the lives of other 81-year-olds in this COVID season, remain of great value. That's what he wrote about. Now, there are very, very few times, actually, that my understanding of life aligns with those of Philip's. But on this occasion, I thought, wow, I'll actually write to him and tell him what a good job he did. And I wrote to him and say, yep, lives are important. Your life is, the lives of all people, the lives of the unborn, I also said, are important as well. I just said that too. I concluded with these words. I'm not out to smash this guy. I'm out to tell him I love him, actually. And this is what I wrote. I continue to pray for your good health and for you, even yet, to meet the one who makes possible through the resurrected Jesus for all men with underlying problems to experience the eternal days with Jesus. I really do keep you in my prayers. Right now, in fact, that's not a lie either. I do, I pray for this man. May God keep blessing you and your family during this concerning season for you all. Well, a few days later, he's amazing, this man. He, he writes back some, writes back to me. He's done it a few times. 
Um, he wrote back and he reminded me, of, as he always does, of the imperfections of the church. You know, quote something about Nazi Germany and, you know, Christians there or whatever else. I might send back to him about Bonhoeffer. That might be a good thing to do. Yeah, but anyway, so, so um, he, wrote, he wrote back um, to me. And this is what he wrote. This is the end. I urge you to cease and desist praying for me. I am a lost cause, Pete the Sweet. (laughs) He's pretty funny, actually, sometimes this man, yeah. Your correspondence with the clouds and beyond should be on behalf of someone far worthier. Did you hear that? Stay in touch in haste and friendship. Well, I am going to stay in touch as it just so happens. I'm going to keep praying. When, he, when I read that for the first time, my heart almost broke actually. It really did. Pray for someone far worthier than me. Satan's right in his accusations against Philip Adams. That's right. People experience this, you see. As he's right in his accusations against Peter Sweetman. Who is worthy? Who is worthy here this morning? Who is worthy? In light of the injuries that we have done to God, to to, to others, to ourselves, through our selfishness and our sin, we deserve the full force of God's punishment. Satan's right in that part. But there is something that you will never, ever, ever, ever hear from the slanderer. You will never get this in your struggles in the middle of the night. You'll never get this. That God, the holy and the just King, the one who is over all things, is so full of compassion and mercy for fallen and unworthy sinners. You won't hear that coming from Him. That's a truth that I have found. That's the truth I've found. And it's the one that I want Philip to hear and keep hearing because Satan won't tell him that. Satan won't. Because the reality is there is hope for Philip. There's hope for old men who have lived their whole lives without God. They keep coming to faith in this very church. Did you know that? It's true. I bury them periodically. Men who turn to the living God to accept his grace and mercy. Because as Paul wrote, Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners. That's why he came. The unworthy. He came to save them. Including those of us who consider ourselves to be the unworthiest. You, you hear that someone this morning. We're all in that case. Let me read three of the most wonderful verses in the Bible. Although there's a whole lot more wonderful verses, as you know, but listen to three of them. You are dead, Colossians 2, because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. How great is that this morning, church? How great is that? What a rel- it's like a relief to hear those words this morning, including those of us who have heard them a thousand times before. I never grow tired of hearing those precious words, do you? God saw our helpless position. We were spiritual corpses. We were doomed to be excluded from his presence forever. But because of his great mercy and kindness, God stepped in and he made a way for us to become spiritually alive, to restore to us the life that God originally intended for humanity to know and experience. A life that's made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Praise God, praise God. 
And the mercy and kindness that enabled us to be made alive in Christ is the same mercy and kindness that keeps reminding us of the power of Christ's blood is sufficient for every other attempt Satan makes to condemn us. Because this is what it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a God we have. You will not hear that from the destroyer. This is the truth of God's word this morning. And the wonderful, amazing stories of God's loving pursuit and his great kindness and, and, and mercy keep being told despite every attempt by Satan to keep us bound and in fear and away from God. And we've heard a ripper this morning. Have we not? Have we not? So let me remind you of what Fiona said as she concluded her story. It's a good place to land when you've been talking about the devil. I'll tell you, listen to this again. I feel like throughout my life, God didn't give up on me. He didn't, he didn't, Fiona, he didn't. He kept calling me back. And even though for such a long time, I didn't even acknowledge him, he was still faithful. And I feel so grateful to be loved so much. Even when I didn't think I needed a relationship with, with him, you know, the lies that go, you don't need that with God. He gave me reasons I needed to seek him out. And I love this part, and the courage to do so when fear told me not to. Wow, hear that. He surrounded me with amazing people and welcomed me into his family. Sins forgiven, washed away. We've seen it in the baptism this morning. I have never, see this is, Satan will say the opposite to this, but this is what Fiona said. I have never felt at peace as I have this year. And I am truly blessed to be called a child of God. How great, how great is that? How great, Fiona. Said, how great is that? How great, how great is our God? How great is our God? So what's he said? What's he said to your heart this morning? What's he saying to you right now by the power of his Holy Spirit? What's he saying to you? Get this, what we've said this morning. Hear this now. Our God is great. He's over all things. He's over the darkness. He is full of truth. It's always truth from God. And he is full of loving kindness and mercy. Even the worst that God may permit the destroyer to do to you, God ultimately takes that and uses that for his glory and honour. That's what the seeming ruin of the cross shouts to us. And he will do it again and again and again in the circumstances that you find yourself. Just know that to start off with. And Satan's power to intimidate those of us who are in Christ, it has been smashed. Listen, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And there is nothing now that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no safer place to be than Jesus Christ. That's for anybody on planet earth. You know that. We are the most blessed people in the world. If you know Jesus, it's the safest place anyone could be. And every situation where Satan's attempting through his slander and lines to, you know, to blind us to the truth of God, sell the lies about God, don't trust him, whatever it might happen to be. Jesus gave us the weapon to, to, to defend and, and to overcome it's in the Lord's Prayer. What did, he, what did Jesus say to pray? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. There's the prayer. If you're looking for a prayer this morning, I, I, this comes from God himself. I, I, I've sensed it so strongly in the preparation. If you need a prayer to pray this week, 
in the battle that you're engaging in. Deliver me from evil. It's mighty when you pray that prayer to the living God. Jesus taught it to pray it. That's why he wants us to pray it. And every accusatory thought through which Satan seeks to render us ineffective, it is skewered by this truth, this mighty truth, <laughs> that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, one, just, just hear that some this morning. There's some here this morning. Satan's been at you and the accusations. You come to Jesus. You let the precious blood of Christ wash over you afresh and anew. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Take hold of that some this morning. Take hold of that some that are on the, on the, watching this online. Take hold of that. So are we ready now to pray? Are we ready? Come church, yeah. It's our, this is the moment. We've heard the Word of God. We've heard the truth this morning. This precious Word that God has revealed to us. We've heard witnesses from people about the greatness of God, His overcoming power. David Twig is a pastor in this church. He did not give in, did he not? Fiona came out of the car park. This is, this is a moment for strengthening for some, I know that. Oh Lord, come by the power of your Holy Spirit now, we would pray in this place. And those that are, those are gonna listen to this online or are listening at this moment of time, oh God, come Lord, speak to hearts now, we would pray. Comfort hearts, encourage hearts, Lord. Come do your mighty work, Holy Spirit. Reveal truth, you've been revealing it, Lord. And we, we stand on that this morning. I pray strength and courage, Lord, for those that have been shaken in the midst, Lord, of the afflictions that God has permitted to come, I pray, Lord, that rather than this doing ruin to hearts, it will actually strengthen, Lord, mature faith, grow mighty men and women of God. Oh, Lord, we pray for Lebanon this morning. May your people there stand strong, Lord, we would pray. May there be the givers of love and life, Lord, into that nation, we would pray. Help, Lord, we cry out for your help. Deliver from evil, Lord, we pray. We ask the same for Victoria, Lord, and our part of our nation so, so overwhelmed at the moment, Lord. Come, we would pray, oh God. May your people rise up there, we would say, pray and stand strong. In Jesus' mighty power. Pray that for those, Lord, in this church right now, Lord, too. You'll strengthen some. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Know that this morning. For those where Satan's been speaking his native language, well, God's given a prayer this morning. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from those untruths. And as we pray that, Lord, for ourselves, we are praying that for those, Lord, that have been blinded by the darkness, by the liar, by the deceiver, people that we love, Lord, people that we love. Some of us have prayed for so long for them to be set free. God, hear our cry again this morning. Deliver from evil, Lord, we would pray these ones. Set them free. Oh, God, some of us long stories to be told about that Fiona's told this morning for those Lord that in our hearts hear our prayer oh God hear our prayer deliver them from evil oh God from the destroyer bring them home that they would say oh it's so beautiful to be welcomed home you're so full of grace and mercy and kindness King liberate the captives Lord we pray this in Jesus name Bring the prodigals home. And for those, Lord, this morning and the accusations of being loud and strong, Lord, the wrestles in the night. Maybe someone didn't even feel they were worthy enough to come to church this morning. Well, I thank you, you've brought them, Lord. Strengthen them now. Remind them of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that deals with all our sin. Nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. Oh, take hold of that someone this morning. Take the hold of that someone in your lounge room at this very moment of time. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ afresh and anew and the renewing of relationship for those, Lord, here this morning and maybe those watching online that have never, Lord, known the, 
the beauty and the wonder of having the weight of sin removed from their lives. Lord, may it be this morning, this day, Lord, we would pray that enter in, come home. Know the joy, the peace and the joy of life in Jesus Christ. The life that Fiona has witnessed to so powerfully this morning. We give you a thanks. Bless her life. Bless Seb and the boys, Lord, and that family, we pray. Enrich them in the blessing and the love of God, we would pray. As we pray that, Lord, for this community, as we pray it for our city, the stadium would one day fill, Lord, with those crying out to you, Lord, is our prayer for our nation, Lord, that you do mighty things, even in the midst, Lord of this great pandemic, come Holy One, turn the tables we pray that Jesus will be lifted high in our nation. And so Lord, we come now to affirm our faith and our confidence and our trust in You. We will not be shaken. We stand in the battle, not in our strength, but in Your great and mighty power. Jesus, our Lord and our King and our Master, who we delight in, the life giver, the one who blesses and blesses and blesses. And so Lord, we affirm that we love You this morning. Continue your great work, we pray, in and through us as your people, in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, I invite you to come this morning and um, give your life to Him. Some of us will be down the front at the end of this service. If you've never done that before, don't wait a day longer. Come into the most wonderful kingdom. Come, church, let's stand now, but affirm our faith that we won't be shaken in the midst of this battle. We'll stand strong and firm. Sing it with faith. Sing it with some big voices too, church. Don't do that. Yeah, you mean it as you sing it today. It's the best news in all the world, isn't it? To know that Jesus has won the victory over darkness for us. If you're here this morning, you're tuning in online, I I really believe that that Jesus wants some to experience a victory in an area of their life where maybe Satan has been condemning, accusing, holding you captive in some way. And I really want to encourage you, if you're online, just to click on that prayer button there. We'd love to pray for you and ask that you would experience that freedom. If you've never, ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus, we'd love just click on that Respond to Jesus link. If you're here in the service today to come, talk to us afterwards. We want to give you a Bible gift pack to bless you. But it is the greatest decision you can ever make to know that, to experience this. You heard from Fiona here this morning as well. Maybe it's baptism for you. If that's you too, I wanna encourage you to click respond to Jesus or come and talk to someone. Just declaring in the spiritual realm that you belong to Jesus. That's powerful, I wanna tell you that. So let me pray this morning. Lord, we thank You. Thank You for Your presence with us. Thank You for this, the power, Lord, of Your Word, the truth of it, the presence of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, You have come to set us free. You have come so that we might know victory in You. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing on each one, those linking in, Lord, watching, those here in the service as well, Lord. May you pour out your blessing. Continue to lead us as we fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, we pray. And we ask this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. I think we should put our hands together and give thanks to our great Saviour and our King, all that He has done for us. God bless you. Thanks so much for linking in with us today. Don't forget our service tonight at six o'clock. You're welcome to link in again. But God bless you. We look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you on the journey of faith. You can reach out to us by emailing hello at bridgman.org.au or if you have a prayer need, don't forget to email us at prayer at bridgman.org.au and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.